Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa rahmah amma ba'd Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us ba'd a'udhu billahi minash shaytani r-rajim Muhammadun rasulullah والذين معه أشداء على الكفار رحماء بينهم تراهم ركعا سجدا يبتغون فضلا من الله ورضوانا سيماهم في وجوههم من أثر السجود ذلك مثلهم في التوراة ومثلهم في الإنجيل كزرع أخرج شطأه فآزره فاستغلظ فاستوى على سوقه يعجب الزراع ليغيظ بهم الكفار وعد الله الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات منهم مغفرة وأجرا عظيما الله تعالى says Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and those who are with him are forceful against the disbelievers and merciful amongst themselves. You see them bowing and prostrating, seeking the bounty from Allah and his pleasure. Their mark is on their faces from the traces of prostration. That is their description in the Torah and their description in the gospel is as a plant which produces its offshoots and strengthens them. So they grow firm and stand upon their stalks, delighting the sowers, so that Allah may enrage by them the disbelievers. Allah has promised those who believe and do righteous deeds among them forgiveness and a great reward. So, let's break this down one by one. This ayah is talking about who? The Prophet and the Sahaba. Muhammad Rasulullah. Prophet is our messenger. And the description of their Sahaba, the righteous believers are what? That they are tough, forceful against the disbelievers. Does this mean every non-Muslim? No, this is referring to the enemies of Islam, of course. And we know this because it's very clear that when it comes to just somebody who is a non-Muslim, but is you know, perfectly regular, uh, you know, civil, civilian, just a regular person, we're supposed to actually be just towards them, kind towards them. This is actually mentioned in Surah Mumtahina, ayah number 8. So anyway, this is talking about sternness and harshness towards the enemies of Islam and merciful amongst one another. There should be a distinct beauty in the way that the believers treat one another. As the Prophet says what? Al-mu'minu lil-mu'mini kal-bunyan yashuddu ba'duhu ba'dan wa shabbaka bayna asabi'ihi. A believer to another believer should be like what? It's like a building whose different parts enforce one another. Like the bricks of a building, they're all reinforcing one another. And then the Prophet clasped his hands and interlocked his fingers to demonstrate. Then Allah says about them, not only do you see this incredible beauty amongst them, but in addition to that, you see them what? Bowing and prostrating and seeking the bounty from Allah and his pleasure. So there is both the external and the internal element here. Ruka'an sujjadan. This is the external, you see them bowing and prostrating. What's going on in the inside? Allah, only Allah knows. That they are deep, deep, deep in their hearts. Their intention is what? To seek the bounty of Allah, to seek His pleasure. And this is in stark contrast to the hypocrites. The hypocrites are, are who? Those who compromise their faith, their faith, excuse me, they compromise their faith to please disbelievers while displeasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that they dress, in the way that they talk, in the way that they act and they joke and they work, the way that they earn. In every single way you find that the hypocrite is the one who says what? I would rather please the disbeliever and displease Allah. Allah ta'ala is specifically saying what? These believers are those who they're specifically trying to please Allah. And when it comes to disbelievers, they're ashidda'u ala al-kufar. They're tough against them anyhow. What marks do they have? Allah says their mark on their faces from the traces of prostration. That is their description in the Torah. I wish we could go into detail about the descriptions of the Prophet and the Sahaba in the Torah. I have some videos like this recorded 
on my YouTube channel. If you go into the playlist about Christianity, I go into detail about those issues. We can't go into it tonight. It's going to take way too long. <laughs> but I will talk about what are these marks, the mark on the face. This can be literally when you make sajda a lot, it leaves a mark. That's number one. It could also be a reference to the face of humility that people have after making sajda, after praying the salah. You see that they come out of salah with a sense of calmness and humility, being affected by prostrating to Allah. It could be the smiling face that the believer has because it's a sunnah to smile. It's a sadaqah as the Prophet described. It could be the look of contentment and happiness and the lack of jealousy that the believer has because they go around in life what, knowing that their connection was to Allah. They just prostrated. They're feeling good. They're not looking at people. What do you have? What do I have? Comparing. No, you see a certain contentment in their heart. They have tawakkul. They have a face that, that is calm because it trusts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Regardless of the circumstances, the whole world could be panicking. But you say, Allah is in charge. I'm okay. This is, the, this is the mark of the believer on their faces, subhanAllah. It could be the mark of what? The clean, fresh face that just made wudu because it's just referenced salah. Ruku'a, sujood, so what? The guy's looking like he just washed up. There's a certain brightness to the face after you've made wudu. This could be the reference to Allah Ta'ala's light. Of course, we talked about that in more detail before about Allah nurus samawati wal ard. It could also be a reference to what? Sibratullah, the tint, the dye, the coloring that Allah Ta'ala gives the believers. Sibratullah, woman ahsanu min Allahi sibra. And who is better in, than Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala than giving this color, this, this dye, this tint to, uh, that, that affects your whole being, subhanAllah. Then Allah says what? Their description in the Injil is like a plant which produces offshoots and strengthens them so they grow firm and stands upon their stalks delighted to the sower. SubhanAllah, think about this method. This is the method here, the parable. When you plant, when a plant is growing, the roots grow deep to collect more nutrients, the branches grow tall and wider to absorb more sunlight, and the trunk grows thicker and thicker to offer more and more support. Everything is offering its own, you could say, playing its part. When you look at the ummah, when you look at the community that we have, alhamdulillah, everybody plays their part. Some people are doing different, different jobs. So you have to ask yourself, am I going to be a branch? Am I going to be the root? Am I going to be the trunk? What am I going to be? What, how am I going to support this ummah, subhanAllah? And what's so beautiful is that as we grow as a community bigger and bigger, we know that as a tree gets bigger, it produces more fruits and becomes even more beautiful. You stare at a tree that's so big and you think, subhanAllah, it's majestic, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Another interesting point about a tree... You know, you wonder, how is it that a tree can grow so big and there isn't like a big dip or, or ditch of dirt? You know, if, if, if it's taking all this earth from the ground and pulling it up, up higher and higher, shouldn't there be a big dip in the earth of all the dirt that it took? And, you know, this is a question that some people have. The answer is what? No, because it's not taking the dirt to create its uh, trunk and branches and leaves and so forth. It's not taking from the dirt. It takes minerals from the dirt and it takes water from the dirt. But do you know what this wood is made of? It's made from all the carbon dioxide that it takes from the air. So subhanAllah, this is something so beautiful that, in other words, a tree is like an air purifier. We all know this, that its wood is, is, is a concentrated version of what, pur what was purified out of the air. And subhanAllah, this is as the ummah of Islam grows. What is it doing? It's purifying. It's taking more and more of the filth, more and more of the evil, and it's purifying its environment, and then getting bigger in the process, taking that which is bad, and then producing something that, which is better, the fruits and so on and so forth. SubhanAllah, it's really such a beautiful analogy. Now, of course, I don't want to go too deep into the parables uh, or the references of the Bible, but there is one, there's a number of them, but this is one that stands out in Matthew 13, 31 to 32, because it mentions that this is their description in the Injil. So, this is not the Injil, this is a book of Matthew, it's different, but still, uh, it could be something close to this, that Isa has said that he said this parable, and Allah knows best, it says, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, 
Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So it's a very beautiful analogy that the believer is like planting this tiny seed and it grows and becomes so beneficial. It's also beautiful that he's referencing the kingdom of heaven, which doesn't necessarily have to refer to al-akhirah. It could refer to al-khilafah. And this is where? This is talking about Allah's messenger and the sahaba, how they established this khilafah. Isa alayhi salam, what, 600 years prior, is telling there's going to be this kingdom of heaven. I'm not talking about the akhirah. I'm talking about when they're going to establish this khilafah on earth. Allah's messenger and the sahaba, they're going to establish this. And this is right at the end of which surah? Which surah? So this, this Muhammad Rasulullah, Fatah, come on guys, <laughs> help me out. So it's surah Fatah, Fatah, the conquest, the victory. So it's so fitting that it's describing what? The conquest and the victory to establish what? Khilafah, Allahu Akbar. Yes, final points I would like to mention, inshallah, and I think it's a very, very important point to mention, especially now that we are winding down to the end of Ramadan. The lesson that I'd like to mention is what? Even the best of generations are compared to trees, and we all know, or compared to like this, this, this plant that grows, we all know that plants grow very slowly. You don't plant a seed and say, come on, let's go, give me the fruits. It doesn't work like that. It's a very slow process. Not only is it a slow process, but you don't even see the process taking place for the first long period of time. Think about it. You don't plant a tree and then expect to see it come out immediately. All sorts of stuff is going on under the earth, and you have no idea. You can't see it. You just have to leave it alone. You just have to trust in Allah that it's actually taking effect. And then after a long time, you'll see something small pop up, and then it'll grow. So when we give advice... We should not expect that the people we're giving advice to are even better than the Sahaba. No, they were the best of generations. So if they were the best of generations, then we should certainly think what? If I give advice, then I've planted that seed. And guess what? It's rummaging around in their mind. I might not see any effect. It's all under the earth, under the surface. I'll let it grow underneath where I can't see it. That's okay. I'll be patient. And then slowly but surely, eventually you see something come up. And that takes a long time to develop. So don't be impatient and shalatada with the people around you when you give them advice. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who are constantly turning back to him and giving advice for his sake. And the final point is what? That Allah ta'ala says that I may enrage the disbelievers when they see this strength, this unity, this tough, firm tree that can't be shaken. This is what? Enraging the disbelievers. And what I would say is this. We often talk about, oh man, the disbelievers are destroying our countries and there's problems here and they're attacking us in the media and we complain and complain and we think, how should we react to them? Wallahu alam, it seems that this ayah is telling, them, telling us what? Don't worry about them. Ignore them. All you need to do is focus on yourselves. Focus on the ummah. Focus on being united. Focus on being strong and tough with one another. Why? Because in doing so, inshallah ta'ala, when the ummah is like one tree growing in all directions yet remaining as one, that's when this disbelief is going to be destroyed. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who have benefited from this month and benefited from these amthad, inshallah ta'ala. That's my last one for the month of Ramadan. Barakallahu feekum, inshallah ta'ala. We will continue perhaps next year with a new topic. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.